Good afternoon, and welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Wellness Community. Your host is Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Wellness Community. This hour is designed to inspire, inform, and to help you live better with cancer. Now, here's your host, Kim Tibaldo. Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Wellness Community, an internet radio show that focuses on informing and inspiring people to live well with cancer. I'm Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Wellness Community. The Wellness Community recently joined forces with Gilda's Club to become the largest provider of cancer support in the U.S. and around the world. Our services are now offered at over 100 locations worldwide and online at www.thewellnesscommunity.org. On today's show, which is being brought to you by uh, Millennium, Morphotech, and Novartis Oncology, we are joined by a very special guest who is here to talk about her new short film, which covers the important topic of grieving when you've lost a loved one. But before we jump into today's show, let's move to a segment we call Cancer in the News, which highlights the latest cancer headlines. I'm Bill Schaefer, and this is today's Cancer in the News. According to a recent report, people who have undergone surgery for pancreatic cancer and are classified as obese don't live as long as those who are not obese. A study, which was conducted by the University of Texas at Houston, looked at the outcomes of 285 patients with pancreatic cancer who were all treated at the MD Anderson Cancer Center. Obesity was classified as a body mass index, or BMI, of 30 or more. Cancer was 12 times more likely to be found to have spread to the lymph nodes in patients with BMIs of 35 or more compared to those with lower BMIs. For patients with a BMI higher than 35, average survival was 13.2 months compared with 27.4 months for those with a BMI of less than 23. The cancer recurred in 95% of patients with a BMI above 35, while those with lower BMIs had a recurrence rate of 61%. The results, researchers conclude, suggest that obesity is a host factor affecting tumor biology independent of the difficulties involved in delivering oncologic care in obese patients. In other news, a new study is raising questions about the effectiveness of prostate-specific antigen screening tests, or PSA, for prostate cancer. As many as two of every five men whose prostate cancer was caught through a PSA screening test have tumors that are too slow-growing to ever be a threat. Results point to the possibility that prostate cancer is being overdiagnosed in patients. Most men who undergo a biopsy for an abnormal PSA test turn out not to have prostate cancer. High PSAs often signal a benign and large prostate. Of those who do have cancer, there's no proof yet that early detection saves lives. As most prostate tumors grow so slowly that had they not been screened, those men would have died of something else without the anxiety. And because some treatments can cause incontinence and impotence, men whose tumors wouldn't have been a threat can suffer serious side effects for no gain. I'm Bill Schaefer, and that's today's Cancer in the News. As I mentioned at the top of the show, we are joined by two guests today who are here to talk about bereavement. If you or someone you know has recently lost a loved one, you'll learn ways to get through the grieving process and cope with the loss you are experiencing. Our show focuses on cancer, but much of the information that will be shared today will be applicable to anyone regardless uh, of the illness. Uh, First, we have actress Alicia Reiner, who lost her father to prostate cancer. Alicia recently produced and starred in a short film called Speed Grieving, which premiered at the Hamptons Film Festival just a couple of weeks ago. The film is based on her personal experience of losing her father to cancer uh, and is really an interesting take on how one can progress uh, through the grieving process. Thanks for joining us, Alicia. Oh, my pleasure. We are also joined by Vicki Kennedy, who is a licensed social worker and the Vice President of Program Development and Quality Assurance at the Wellness Community. Thanks for being here, Vicki. Oh, thank you. 
Uh, we've got a lot to cover on the show today, so I want to jump right in. Uh, Alicia, tell us, what was the impetus for you to make the film Speed Grieving, and why is it called Speed Grieving, a really interesting name? Well, I, I will say um, my dad did pass away from cancer, um, and it was an incredibly fast, fast experience for us. From the time we knew he was really sick uh, till the time he died, it was 10 days. 10 so days. My experience was, in fact, quite the speed grieving experience. Um, and what the film is really sort of about is that moment that you find out that someone you love is actually dying. So um, in, the, in the grief world, it's called anticipatory loss. It's that, that moment when you're anticipating, oh, my God, this person I love so, so dearly, be it a family member, a friend, anyone in your life, um, a pet, uh, is, is going to die. Um, and I went through this experience incredibly fast and realized I didn't really have a lot of tools to cope with it. And um, what I know how to do is make art. And one of the biggest things that I went through in going through it was the feeling of wanting support and then wanting to support others, to mm -hmm. have no one feel alone through the experience because it's, it's such a scary thing, and I do feel like sometimes our society has a lot of trouble talking about death, and, and there's so much fear around it. There's so much fear about, about loss and death, and um, we are kind of a youth-based society. Um, so... I decided to make this film, um, and it, uh, there were certain things that I really wanted to talk about in the film. One of them was how people are afraid to talk about it. Yeah. One of them was how the people you least expect it can so be there for you, this incredible experience of um, synchronicity of a doorman or a person of a dry cleaner or someone who you least expect it opens their heart to you in this deep, deep way and makes you feel not so alone. And then the people who sometimes you really expect to be there for you can't because they're just a little bit too afraid of death in that moment. Um, and I certainly know when I was, before my dad died, when other people died, I, I, I so remember being afraid to call someone who had lost someone. It's it's a scary thing to talk about, and you, you're so afraid you're going to say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing, and that's what I wanted to sort of debunk and deconstruct a little bit. Um, and then, of course, we do live in this super-fast society mm -hmm. that's so good at efficiency, and I wanted to talk about how grief and loss and in those last moments when you are saying goodbye to someone there's certain things in life you can't speed through and you can't do efficiently. Um, and so I, I wanted to talk about that a little bit in the film. So the film just premiered um, at the Hamptons Film Festival um, in New York. W what are you hoping that the people and audiences will, will, will get out of, out of watching this film? What is, your, what is your hope in terms of how it will impact people, touch people, what the lessons are? That's a great question. I will... I will say, I think the thing I want the most is that no one feels alone. Like, that's our, my main goal and theme in making the film, is that we all remember that 
loss and death is something that we all go through and that we can reach out to each other through. And, um, and that's my main goal is that people feel more able and willing to talk about it. Um, but I think the other big, big lesson would be all we can do is be here now. And, um, and that we, there are certain things in life you can't speed through and there are certain things in life that are messy and there are no specific stages. You know, you just have to, to be here. Um, and, uh, and that's, you know, that's really, it's interesting because as I've been going through this, I find myself on a daily basis remembering, and it's not just around grief and loss, but around everything. Yeah. To just be in the moment is is such a gift. Um, so that's that's what I've been doing. When it when it premiered at the at the uh, Hampton Film Festival, was that an emotional time for you? Was it, it was. What was it like when it, um, when it, when it was it, when actually the film ironically the weekend of my dad's birthday? Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. Uh, so um, it was. Very emotional, and it, first of all, it was scary because it's like, okay, I, I made my first film. I've never made a film before. I never want to make a film again. Um, <laughs> I'm an actress, but uh, what are people going to say? And we had sold-out houses, and people were so moved. Um, and people, the thing that I've loved about this experience, Kim, is everyone wants to share their story. Everyone yeah. wants to talk. You know, I had some interviews while I was in the Hamptons, and some of the interviewers ended up talking more than I did mm. because they wanted to talk about their experience with losing their dad or losing their friend, um, and that's exactly what I wanted. That and that was my goal. Fantastic. That's that's wonderful. It's wonderful. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, Vicki Kennedy, I know you're a social worker by background. Um, tell us a little bit why it is so important to talk about grieving, why the bereavement process is so important when you've lost someone to cancer or, or, or another serious illness. Sure. I think um, so much of what Alicia said in, is that, you know, in reality, people don't, don't tend to know what to say or, or how to talk about it, and yet death is such a part of life, isn't it? It's, it's, it's um, that reality that we know is there, but, but perhaps we do all walk around thinking that, what's not going to happen to us or, or in our life. And so if we don't talk about it, if we don't find these wonderful outlets, as Alicia said, in, in sharing the story, in, in kind of just riding through the pain and the shock and the anger, all of those kind of normal reactions that come with loss, uh, grief and loss, it can become, um, you know, it, it becomes like this really negative energy inside of us that, can make us ill, you know, physically or emotionally, socially, even spiritually. So talking about it and and in living through it and reaching out to others is an important part of our healing and our ability to recover and to then, as Alicia said, kind of live in the moment and realize that as painful and as difficult as it is to embrace, and to experience, the reality is that, in a way, it's, it's kind of the price we've paid for having loved, isn't it? To to have to let go um, of someone so precious to us. And so if we, you know, we really need to talk about it for our mental health, for our well-being, and for, you know, really to be able to return to enjoy life, to 
to its fullest. Vicki, we've got uh, just a minute until the, until the break here, but do you think, I, I've heard some, some fake folks say, you know, well, this is, a, this is a private matter. This is something, this is something I don't want to talk about. This is, you know, we're a private family and we don't really want, you know, want to talk about it. Is that a reaction that you see sometimes? Oh, sometimes. You know, I think the reality is that everybody grieves differently. Mm-hmm. There's no right or wrong way to do it. There's no magical timeline or, or process. So I think we have to always be respectful that some people may be very private. Some people may want to talk about it all the time. Uh, some people may be somewhere in between. So we do have to respect that everybody kind of has their own style of how they want to cope with it. And we have to respect that and kind of help them uh, cope in, in whatever way works for them. But I know that one of the things we want to get out uh, to listeners today, Vicki, is, um, is that if you do want to talk, if, you, if you're looking for an outlet, there are some, some resources out there. Oh, wonderful resources. Lots of great places to reach out. Yeah, and we're going um, to have a chance to talk about some of those resources a little bit later in the show and talk about uh, what some folks go through um, you know, really in the process of grieving and the fact that there are, there are a lot of organizations like the wellness community, like Gildas Club, uh, other places where there certainly is an outlet for when someone is dealing with, with end-of-life issues and, you know, and after, uh, even after the loss of a loved one. Um, this is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. I'm your host, Kim Thiebaldo. Today we're talking about uh, coping with the loss of a loved one. We're talking about uh, the grieving process. We're going to take a quick break here, but we will be right back. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle coworkers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. For more than 25 years, the wellness community has been the nation's leader in providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at one of our 26 centers in the U.S. and abroad, the wellness community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-WELL or visit us online at www.thewellnesscommunity.org. That's thewellnesscommunity.org. The Wellness Community, celebrating over 25 years of cancer support, education, and hope. Many of us try to maintain a healthy lifestyle, but there is just so much going on in our lives. Food allergies, picky eaters, tight schedules, and the like. We also have so much to think about. Weight management, disease prevention, eating psychology, and creating a healthy meal in minutes. Listen for Nutrition Matters and let Roxanne Moore step in to save you from the overwhelming sea of nutrition information. Roxanne will share success tips to keep you winning with over 15 years as a registered dietitian. Listen Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Citizens of America, this is a message from FeedThePig.org. 
Americans spent more money than they earned in 2005. This is the first negative savings rate in the U.S. since the Great Depression. America, we must start feeding the pig. On the 1st and the 15th, we must pay ourselves before we pay anyone or anything. We must make a budget. Even consider cutting up a credit card. Log on to feedthepig.org today. Find the benefits of saving for every stage of life. Brought to you by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and the Ad Council. Income Property Investment Talk with Peter Mosca and Dean Issa provides homeowners and investors eager to invest well in real estate the knowledge, resources, and tools necessary to generate significant wealth. Our focus will be the paradigm. Live where you want. Invest where it makes the most sense. Listen live to the brightest minds in real estate investment every Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. That's Income Property Investment Talk with Peter Mosca and Dean Issa, where America learns to invest. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Wellness Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now, here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Wellness Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. I'm your host, Kim Tibaldo, and today we're talking about grieving. If you or someone you know has lost a loved one, uh, I'm here with actress Alicia Reiner, producer and star of her new short film, Speed Grieving, and Vicki Kennedy, who's Vice President of Program Development and Quality Assurance at the Wellness Community. Uh, Vicki, obviously, Alicia did not have much time to prepare for the loss of her father, who died from prostate cancer. Uh, but if someone does have more time, uh, how do you begin the preparation process? Can, are there things you can do? Can you really be prepared for the loss of a loved one? Oh, that's such a good question. You know, I think... In some ways, I'm not sure we're ever really prepared. We may, we may intellectually think that we kind of know what to expect and we anticipate we may lose our parent or, or someone who's been ill for a long time, but emotionally we're never quite prepared for what that feels like um, at that moment uh, for us. But, but there are things. There are things that, um, you know, I, I'm sure for you, Alicia, even in those ten days of time with your dad that you had you had, there were some things that were happening then that ultimately prepared you, um, whether you knew it or not, yeah. whether it was, you know, conscious or unconscious, yeah. there were things uh, in, in your caring for him that helped you, uh, being sure he had the right care, mm-hmm. um, you know, the best support, being sure his, his pain and his symptoms were cared for, and reaching out to bring others around you uh, to, to find those folks who can help you during that process. Uh, I would imagine those were all things that helped you, as you said, that kind of anticipatory grief um, that's so normal that we start to think, well, what happens when he dies? What am I going to do? How am I going to cope? What are the things I need to get done between now and then? What do I want to say to him uh, to make this time special? Those are all things that help us prepare um, at some level for what's coming up. Alicia, what are some of the things that went through your mind in those well, 10 days? What are some of the things that you and your family did when you, when, when you heard this news to try to prepare for this? Did you have emotional support? Were you connected with your family? What, what was that like? Tell us what that was like I, for you. I was absolutely connected with my family, and we were all there. It was, it was interesting because it all happened so fast, and my dad was a fighter, mm. and to the 
to the last moment, he would not admit he was dying. Mm. Um, and he really, he made the choice to say, we're going to fight this, and we're, like, I'm going to win. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, as I've learned, that's a, a common thing sometimes, especially when it's very fast. And I had to support that choice, um, where I chose to support that choice because that was the choice he made. And so we we went for that choice, and we did a lot of research on, okay, how do we, you know, what's the next level of care for him? What's what's What are the things we can do? And... Um, and we fantasized a lot. That was mm-hmm. a big part of that time mm-hmm. was we would talk about, he, he passed away in May, and we would talk about, okay, Christmas, we're going to do this, and Thanksgiving, we're going to Paris, and okay, by, by July, we're going to be on the porch at your house, and you're going to be so much better, and we're going to have a beach party, and... As things got progressively worse very quickly, we said, okay, we're going to have the beach party here at the hospital. <laughs> and we threw a beach party and had lays and pina coladas for the nurses and <laughs> uh, great music. And, uh, and it, that's one of my favorite memories in the hospital. Um, and I, I plastered the walls with great pictures and sayings and stuff from Bernie Siegel's books um, because that's who he was and what his choice was in that moment, and I wanted to honor that. And when I left his room, I had to honor my feelings in a different way <laughs> and feel all my feelings sort of outside of his room and process my, my big tears um, and my big fears uh, with my personal support system of friends and family and, um, and an amazing therapist. Yeah. So that's, that was sort of our journey. But to the last second, you know, we never said goodbye because he wasn't ready to admit that he was dying. Yeah. And, again, that's part of why I made this film was I wanted people to n- feel free in whatever experience they have gone through or are going through um, to, feel, to feel their feelings and, and have support through that. Yeah. You know, Vicki, one of the things I hear people talk about, you know, in this process of preparing for the loss of a loved one or death is is ways to preserve that person's legacy. Mm-hmm. Um, I know sometimes we hear about people who, um, you know, who, who try to write things from their life or look at photographs or talk about the impact that the person had while they were here and what they accomplished and and is that a is that a, a something that you've experienced or seen or is that a, a you know a, a healthy process? I you know again I think it is for some people. Um, I I've known many people through through my work that have found great uh, comfort and solace in you know writing letters to their children, for example, to have it at milestones in their life uh, in the future, um, or leave behind a video journal or something like that that. That kind of preserves it, and, and they they can do that. You know, again, I think everybody's so different that there are um, some people can do that and, and find that to be therapeutic. Other people are are very afraid of that and kind of find it traumatic to to actually envision 
them not being here anymore and, and to leave that behind. Um, so, so, you know, and the hard part is, as I was listening to Alicia talking about it, I was thinking, gosh, the hard part was that she knew he was dying at some point, the reality set in, and you couldn't necessarily have that conversation with him or, or, or say goodbye to him, perhaps in the way that you might have wanted to, but in other ways you did say goodbye by having, you know, these little rituals and creating these family moments. Um, that's what worked for him. Um, so while, um, you know, I think it, it's, it, what's nice is to have kind of an arsenal of things that you could offer uh, to someone, and maybe it is bringing that party into the hospital or that picnic. Maybe it is, would you like me to bring in the video camera tomorrow, and you could, you know, make, make a video. Or it may be respecting that they don't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. They're not really ready, even if he had had, you know, 10 months, I'm not sure, Alicia, if your dad would have dealt with it any differently. I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. And what I love about what you're saying is it's so about honoring your own process. Mm -hmm. That we are, I think, one of the incredible things about grief and loss is it's so universal. Like, there's that old um, saying about how it's a long, it's a story, so I won't go into the whole story. But how we all we all experience it, and there's there was a, a man who lost a son, and he was grieving, and he felt so alone. And the sage of the town said, "Go and find me seeds from any fa- all the families that didn't that haven't experienced loss, and he couldn't find one. Mm-hmm. He couldn't find a family, um, and that's that's the truth of it." Um, so we all experience it, and yet it's so absolutely unique. It's so individual because every relationship, every human on this earth is so unique and individual. So, I so think it's universal really and unique I, at the same time. What I love time. is that you're saying you have to honor your personal process as the caretaker and as the you have to honor the person who's dying's personal process mm-hmm. and what they need. And it's really simply about communication between you two about how how best to facilitate both of those. Yeah, yeah. So, so Vicky, you know, if if some folks are out there not sure what to do, they're looking for resources on how to deal with uh, this time of of, of of grieving and bereavement. Um, what kind of resources are out there? I know that we certainly have some bereavement programs at the Wellness Community and Gilda's Club. Maybe you can talk to our listeners about the kinds of programs that we have and what other programs are out there, whether it's at the hospital or through a hospice or community organization. Sure. Well, there's, you know, certainly there's a lot of, of support programs out there before the person dies. So, so at the Wellness Community Gilda's Club and other, other places in your community, there are support groups for helping people live with cancer, you know, no matter what the outcome. So at the wellness community, while we have many, many support groups and education and other programs around living with cancer and beyond cancer and survivorship, obviously during the course of that time, there's also um, opportunities for people to begin to anticipate or prepare potentially for the loss of a loved one. So you know, even if your loved one hasn't died yet or you're anticipating that that might happen, 
you know, getting involved earlier in a, in a support group or with a community activity that will help you begin to prepare a little bit as much as you possibly can by talking about it, anticipating it. After someone dies, there are some wonderful programs, um, and, I, you know, we can talk about hospice in a few minutes, but I think that there are support groups. There are at the Wellness Community and Gildas Club nationwide in over 50 of our locations, we have support groups for people who have lost a loved one to cancer, and those are professionally facilitated support groups that go on um, with others who've lost someone to cancer. And we also have an online support group uh, for people who have lost a loved one with cancer that meets every week with a professional facilitator um, who's trained to deal with these grief and loss issues. Um, so it, it's important that there are, and there's some, there's some great books out there, there's some wonderful online uh, resources, things to read and to reach out if it's not through the Wellness Community Gildas Club, through your, um, if you have a, a church or a temple or a faith-based organization, there's so many places that you can reach out to um, that can help you through this time. So, Vicki, we've got just a minute or so until the break, but what, in, these, in these bereavement groups, what kind of things happen? I mean, do people, do people feel comforted knowing that there are others going through the same experience? Do people, you think, learn grieving skills from each other and learn ways to cope from each other? Oh, definitely. I think we learn from each other so much, um, you know, because uh, for most of us, we haven't done this before. Mm-hmm. And even if we've done it before, maybe we lost a grandparent or we lost a pet or someone we knew, but, you know, maybe we hadn't experienced the loss of, of uh, you know, someone really close to us, uh, a spouse, a, a child, et cetera. So we learn by experiencing through others. We also learn that we're not crazy, you know. Yeah. Those thoughts that were running through your mind that thought, you know, there's something wrong with me. In reality, what we find out is, so oh, that's normal. Oh, he feels that way. I feel that way. I feel like I see my loved one or I want to talk to my loved one. All those things that um, are really so normal, we learn and see in, in other people. So it helps to it helps really helps to validate uh, yeah to validate think- that. Uh, this is frankly speaking about cancer. We're talking today about coping with the loss of a loved one. We're talking about the grieving process and uh, and how to cope with such a loss. We're going to take a quick break and we will be right back. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle coworkers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. For more than 25 years, the wellness community has been the nation's leader in providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at one of our 26 centers in the U.S. and abroad, the wellness community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-WELL or visit us online at www.thewellnesscommunity.org. That's thewellnesscommunity.org. The Wellness Community, celebrating over 25 years of cancer support, education, and hope. 
leadership is a destination. But how do you get there? More importantly, how do you maximize your power and influence and develop more leaders in your organization? Learn from proven leaders and proven practices. Join Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler for Leadership Development News. This program will help you develop the next leaders in your organization, balance your work life, manage your boss, and manage yourself. We'll feature cutting-edge interviews with industry experts and authors. Leadership Development News, every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, on the Voice America Business Channel. Citizens of America, this is a message from FeedThePig.org. Americans spent more money than they earned in 2005. This is the first negative savings rate in the U.S. since the Great Depression. America, we must start feeding the pig. On the 1st and the 15th, we must pay ourselves before we pay anyone or anything. We must make a budget. Even consider cutting up a credit card. Log on to FeedThePig.org today. Find the benefits of saving for every stage of life. Brought to you by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and the Ad Council. Is there truly a lesson in every situation? Can you learn from another person's experiences or are lessons learned when they only happen to you? Dave Felzer, number one national and number one international best-selling author, challenges listeners to stand tall, to be accountable no matter what the setbacks, and to recommit to enhancing their lives as well as assisting others around them. Listen to The Dave Pelzer Show every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Radio Network. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Wellness Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now, here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Wellness Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. I'm here with actress Alicia Reiner, producer and star of her new short film, Speed Grieving, and Vicki Kennedy, a social worker and vice president of program development and quality assurance at the wellness community. Uh, we've been talking about uh, the grief that comes with losing a loved one and resources available to help you cope through this difficult time. Um, Vicki, why is communication so important as, as someone prepares for the bereavement process? What steps... Um, can be taken before a loved one dies to make the grieving process a little bit easier, whether it's communication between you and the person who is dying, whether it's communication among other friends and family members. Um, you know, t- talk about the importance of that and some of the things that, that can be accomplished in that communication process. Well, I think that, um, you know, I think as Alicia, Alicia referred to, um, it took a lot to get through those 10 days with her father. There was the medical team she, you needed to work with, Alicia, there was your family and friends and your father and, and uh, so many pieces that, you know, having kind of a, a clear plan about how are we going to do this, you know, what, what, what do we need to have in place uh, to be sure that, you know, your loved one has the best possible care, uh, that his pain and symptoms are managed and that... Um, you kind of have uh, everything in place. I'd like to say that it's always that practical and easy, and it isn't because there's so many emotions happening at the same time. So some, you know, certainly communication about what you all need, particularly what your loved one needs and expects and being respectful of that. But then you can do some very practical things. Some, some people have shared that just getting some of the practical arrangements out of the way, if they have time, and they have opportunities to, 
you know, well, well, well what is it that you want, Dad? Uh, you know, do you want to be in the hospital? Do you want to be at home? Do you, um, do you uh, want to be as awake as possible? Or, you know, do you, w- would you rather, you know, be, you know, you know more, more asleep with having your pain managed? There's so many things we need to communicate about because you can't be guessing kind of along the way because there's an element of that anyway. Um, but I do think there are uh, practical things that take away some of the stress and then you have more time together just to talk, you know, to share dreams and memories and, and have that opportunity to, to know what's expected. You know, wh- what do I need to do? What do you need us to do? And how can we do this together? So, um, Vicki, we, we started to touch earlier on the idea of hospice care, and I know that sometimes hospice can help folks through some of the, these, these, the process, some of the communication, some of the decisions that, you, that you're talking about that folks might not even be aware that these are decisions that need to be made. Tell, tell, us, tell us a little bit about hospice care and what, what people should know about that, what it is and why it's important to know about it. Well, hospice is a really wonderful, compassionate approach to managing the end of life. Um, we've been fortunate in this country to have really the entire hospice movement come to the United States in the, since the early 70s, and it's really changed the way that people die in America. Um, you know, so there's a, a lot more kind of caring and compassion as well as the physical care that needs to happen to make um, de- the death as, um, have as much dignity and grace and peace as possible. So hospice is really more, it's like, it's more of a concept than a place in and of itself. You know, a lot of hospitals and nursing homes and there's freestanding hospices that have inpatient units where your loved one and you can go and actually stay there for a period of time. Generally, you're referred to hospice or, or ideally they talk about hospice if you have uh, uh, you know, like a six-month uh, prognosis of, of time to live. Mm-hmm. So sometimes people don't get there um, till the very, very end of their life. Um, but then hospice really originally started about providing people the opportunity to die at home, where they want to be surrounded by things they love, their pets, uh, the beauty of their home and their, their place where they feel comfortable. So doctors and nurses, social workers, chaplains, home health aides and volunteers come into your home to help you and your family through that time. Yeah. And generally, it, 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 it's covered uh, very well by Medicare, Medicaid, and often uh, most private insurance companies uh, now do cover hospice care in the home and inpatient. So a big movement in our country since the uh, 70s and 80s towards really humanizing and taking care of how important that transition is not only for the person who's dying, yeah. but for those of us who are, you know, going on after so that we can heal uh, as well as possible. Yeah. I just want to say, it, in my research for the film and, and starting to make it and then making it, it, what I've learned about hospice has made me truly fall in love with it and, and really want to sing its praises <laughs> yeah. to the to the world because it's it's so important i think a huge part of it is it's acknowledging the the death process in yeah. it and that it is a process um and it's 
this amazing support for that process. And, you know, the other piece for me is, is what the wellness community does is also something that I learned about after making the film um, and was like, wow, what an amazing thing yeah. uh, to have support for the person going the person with cancer and then their family and friends and caregivers to have that kind of support and and so many different kinds of support within that umbrella is yeah. really such a gift and both of those things hospice and the wellness community are such important things in our society that I I think we really have to talk about more and let more people know. I didn't know. It took me so long to understand what hospice was because yeah. at first I was like, oh, does that mean someone's in the home? Like, And so many people don't really know what it is still. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, Alicia, I had the, the pleasure of seeing your film, and um, at the end of the film there's a, there's a touching scene where your character gives her father a, a shave with a warm towel and, and shaving cream and a straight razor mm-hmm. and versus at the beginning of the film where she tries to give him a quick shave with an electric razor. Mm-hmm. Well, t- tell us about that scene. What's the symbolism behind that, and, and why do you think it was important to to include that, that sort of beginning and end contrast in the um, film? You know, we do live in this spectacularly efficient society, and some of it can be fantastic. The Internet is a, a gorgeous thing, and as Vicki was talking about earlier, it can be used in amazing ways like, the wellness community online is is a amazing thing to have support online. Yeah. So I love technology, but it does necessitate a level of speed in our world. Mm-hmm. You know, I can tweet about this after after we hang up. Um, but uh, I think it's so important, nonetheless, to remember to slow down and breathe and be in the moment. Yeah. Um, and through loss and grief, I, I feel like that is our only true magical pill um, to alleviate those feelings is to sit and feel them sometimes. And for me to, you know, some of my best memories of my dad in the hospital were when we were just being together. Um, and I did, in fact, give him... A, uh, an old-fashioned shave in the mm-hmm. hospital. Um, I never tried to give him a, <laughs> a fast shave, thank God. Um, <laughs> but I did decide to give him a, an old-fashioned shave uh, because I wanted to have it be a pleasurable experience, an old-fashioned pleasurable experience. Well, yeah. it, it must have been pleasurable for you or really meaningful for you as well, Alicia, too. I mean, it was a gift. Uh, uh, such a, a tender moment, mm-hmm. and I, I just imagine, you know, the, the just with each stroke for you, it was a way you were kind of touching and embracing his life, you know, what he meant to you and those things. I think that's so profound, mm-hmm. and, it, and it is sometimes those littlest things that we can do like that that, that aren't about any fancy activity or any um, any great psychological revelation, but more just that tenderness and that touch yep. uh, of you tending, tending and caring for him 
much probably as he cared intended for you your whole life. It's I'm I'm so glad you said that, Vicky, because I you know I now have a a young baby, a, a ten month old, and there was certainly in the hospital uh, a sense of oh my God, I am taking care of this man in a way that he took care of me. Mm-hmm. And I slept in the hospital those 10 days, um, and I I was there every minute that I possibly could to, uh, to take care of him. And I think the magic of the shave was it, it, there was dignity in it. There's, there's a fine line when you're taking care of someone who's dying, uh, of being so careful to make sure you maintain their dignity as you take care of them. Yeah. Um, and that they feel esteemable, that they don't feel helpless. In that in that yeah. moment, yeah. And We're having an amazing conversation um, today about grieving and death and dying. We're going to take a quick break, um, and, and we will be right back. Learn more. Live better. Voice America Health and Wellness. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle coworkers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. For more than 25 years, the wellness community has been the nation's leader in providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at one of our 26 centers in the U.S. and abroad, the wellness community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-WELL or visit us online at www.thewellnesscommunity.org. That's thewellnesscommunity.org. The Wellness Community, celebrating over 25 years of cancer support, education, and hope. Journey into the realm of spirit, the source of all things. Master fear in these tumultuous times and learn ancient ways to abundant love and healing. Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity, will awaken the unique genius within you. Host Christina Pratt challenges you to initiate your innate powers within to gain health, well-being, and joy through the practices of Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. Tune in each week to Why Shamanism Now, Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, on 7th Wave Network. Hey, Jack, you got a sec? Jack, your hair's on fire. Yeah, I know. I, I just need to finish the sales report, and then I'll lie down for a bit. But shouldn't I... No, I'll be fine. You wouldn't ignore this, so why ignore the signs of a stroke? If you or someone you know suddenly has trouble speaking, seeing, or walking, call 911 right away, because time lost is brain lost. To find out more, visit www.strokeassociation.org or call 1-888-4-STROKE. This message brought to you by the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. Join Patricia Raskin, the host of Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com, Monday at 11 Pacific. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call to Positive Living, Mondays at 11 Pacific Time, right here on VoiceAmerica.com. 
opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Wellness Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now, here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Wellness Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. I'm your host, Kim Tibaldo, and today we're talking about grieving. If you or someone you know has, uh, has lost a loved one, I'm, I'm here with actress Alicia Reiner, producer and star of her new short film, Speed Grieving and Vicki Kennedy, Vice President of Program Development and Quality Assurance at the Wellness Community. We were talking about uh, really some special moments between uh, Alicia and her father when he was dying from prostate cancer. It was a very uh, quick period of time, a 10-day period, um, and uh, Alicia was sharing with us how she really found the time to connect with him uh, in, in, in that brief period and also how the, the experience inspired her to make this, uh, this new short film, Speed, Grieving, um, Alicia. Tell us, uh, tell us how you envision Speed Grieving this film being being used um, in the future. I know you launched it just a couple weeks ago at the, at the Hamptons Film Festival, and we, we congratulate you on that. But how, how, what do you see the value of this into the future? How do you hope it will reach people and touch people? So you know, our our first, we have a couple of sort of tiers of uh, distribution that we're thinking of. Our first is the festival circuit, and we're going to do a bunch of festivals. And the fun thing about film festivals is you're going to a small town all over the country and sometimes all over the world, and just all these people come to see films, and it, it becomes this way to talk about film. And people who go to festivals tend to really want to talk about film. Yeah. And so that's really exciting is right after our film was showed, everyone wanted to talk about it. So we're we're working on specific talkbacks at all the festivals that we go to. And uh, one of our goals is to have a bereavement specialist at every at every screening so mm-hmm. that people have someone, a professional, to talk yeah. to as yeah. well. Um, and then our second level is that we would love it to go to the wellness community and Gilda's clubs and grief support groups and hospices. And right now we're working with grief counselors, amazing, amazing people, um, to create a discussion guide that goes with the film. So it's an 11-minute film, and then it'll be like a a 50-minute discussion so that people will be able to talk right after and that it really is used as art therapy and a way for people to talk about what they're going through, talk about saying goodbye if they are going through anticipatory loss right now, so they haven't lost a person, but they're they're realizing that that's coming, or if they re- just have lost someone. And then the next level that we're also thinking about is for med schools and educational facilities as a way, you know, one thing I did find was that doctors ha- that we worked with, um, and I've heard this before, have a lot of trouble sometimes talking about loss and death and they don't have the tools and um, and so one of our goals is that it's used in for example the bedside manner class um, as another tool to help doctors and healthcare professionals to talk about grief and loss um, and what's needed for families at that time yeah yeah you know, Alicia. I mean, I, you know, you you uh, 
I know for a lot of people this is a very private discussion and private process, and you've, you've, you've chosen to obviously very, be very public with your, mm. um, with your experience, and I think that, um, uh, I think that it's certainly, that's certainly going to help a lot of folks and reach, uh, you know, and reach a lot of folks. And, and I just want to ask you, Vicki, you know, why, why do you think it's important for, for folks like Alicia to be out there talking about this? Um, well, you know, we're, we uh, certainly want to help Alicia get the word out and have some impact, but, but why is it important for somebody to see an actress, a public figure, you know, talking about this process? Well, I think it, it, you know, again, it kind of reaffirms that we can talk about these things, that we can survive them, even if we feel so despairing at that moment of loss. There is hope that, um, you know, that that in time, that uh, pain and, and and struggle that you have now will will uh, lessen and and at least become you know more bearable. Um, so that rawness and that numbness of gr- grief. Um, that we can talk about it, we can work through it, and we can go on and, and lead very wonderful, meaningful lives um, as tribute to that, that person that we loved and lost. I, I think it's, you know, we talk a lot at the Wellness Community Guildless Club about um, something Alicia already alluded to, which is that so no one really has to be alone. And, you know, we can have wonderful family and friends and a great uh, work group and, and faith group and yet still feel very alone in our heart and in our soul because the, the, the pain is great and, and the struggle is great. So I, I do think um, Alicia's film and, and, and urging people to talk about this is so critical uh, to, to just bring it out in the open. It also will be important to help people identify if they're having really what, what we call complicated grief that maybe maybe we aren't experiencing as that normal grief process that perhaps our depression is more serious than than what's normal or that we're really struggling and we need professional help. So so to be able to 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 help those people uh, be identified or come forward to reach out for professional help that they don't have to suffer in silence. What are some just quickly, Vicky? We're getting to the end of our conversation, but quickly, what are some of the signs if somebody what should somebody look for if they feel like they're not kind of processing through the through the grieving period? I think if it's if it's really prolonged, you know, again, there's no set timeline, and uh, grief, normal grief, can last, you know, for some people for for months and years at a time over milestones. But at some point, that day to day struggle should start to to ease a bit, and and you should feel uh, like the symptoms are are lessening. They may come and go, but by and large, you're um, you're not experiencing really serious depression to the point where you're unable to function, unable to get up in the morning day after day after day, um, where your appetite is affected, where your sleep is dramatically affected. Again, not in brief moments, but extended over a period of time. Mm-hmm. Those are certainly warning signs uh, that you should, you know, talk to somebody and perhaps seek out some professional help to, to get you through that rough time. Mm-hmm. So obviously it's normal in the beginning you're going to feel, feel blue, feel down, feel like you're not ready to get back into life, but it really, if it really is prolonged, it's, time, it's, it's maybe time to get, get out there and get some help. Exactly. If it's prolonged or really um, intense. You know, uh, re- really intense to the point where you're just not finding joy in things anymore over an extended amount of time, and, yeah. and, and you really feel that it begin, it's beginning to affect many aspects of your life. Your daily, daily yeah, life. Your yeah, your daily yeah. life. 
Yeah. Well, ladies, this is just this has been an amazing um, conversation, and Alicia, I just I want to thank you again for oh. for making this film, and I, I want to thank you for sharing your own very personal experience with our listeners today and with so many people uh, across the country. We were very happy at the Wellness Community and Gilda's Club to be partnering with you on this project and helping to get the word out and letting folks know that they are not alone, you know, as they go through, um, through the grieving process. Um, I want to let folks know if you'd like more information about Alicia's film, Speed Grieving, you can visit the website at www.speedgrieving.org. Um, if you'd like information about the Wellness Community and Gilda's Club or our free educational support services, call us at 888-793-WELL or visit www.thewellnesscommunity.org. Remember to follow Frankly Speaking About Cancer on Twitter. Uh, get the latest in cancer in the news. You can also please provide us with feedback. Let us know what show topics you'd like for us to cover um, in future episodes. Certainly so much to talk about uh, through the cancer experience. Um, I want to dedicate our show today to everyone who's currently going through the uh, the bereavement process. Um, let folks know that they are not alone. They don't have to go through this alone. Uh, come see us at the wellness community uh, at Gilda's Club, um, and uh, we can certainly guide you into uh, a whole range of wonderful and free resources in your community online to help you uh, through this process. Thanks for joining us today uh, for Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Until next time, be well, do well, live well. Thank you for joining us for Frankly Speaking About Cancer with your host, Kim Tibaldo. We're here for you every Tuesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. In the meantime, stay connected online at thewellnesscommunity.org. That's thewellnesscommunity.org. 